Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's a very special edition of the Believe and Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your congenial host, Brian Wheeler. There's lots to talk about with regard to the Blazers. We kind of waited a little extra time to bring you this new edition of the podcast because the news was just coming in, and we also believe that we were going to get more news, and uh, we do have it. So we have uh, plenty to discuss, and we do so with one of the uh, foremost authorities on Blazers basketball. He has uh, had one of the best Blazers websites, uh, Blazers Edge, since 2005. Amazing it's been that long, but he is the managing editor of Blazers Edge, and we're going to talk to him about that and also about all things Blazers and everything that's going on right now. Uh, speaking, of course, of Dave Decker. Dave, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Brian. It's good to hear from you. Good to uh, have your voice back across the airwaves. Have always loved your work, so happy to be here. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you saying that. And uh, we've got plenty to talk about with regard to the Blazers. Unfortunately, the end of the Blazers season. Now uh, we don't have gaining games to talk about anymore, but uh, uh, plenty happening uh, on the court, off the court, and uh, and plenty of news still to be determined in terms of what's. Uh, uh, on the agenda for the team right now. We uh, always want to tell you that uh, the Believe in Blazers podcast is uh, brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Of course, lots of uh, great. Uh, uh, prop bets and everything available during the NBA playoffs, which are getting into round two uh, this weekend. That's bet online. All right, Dave, the uh, end of the Blazers season, uh, disappointingly so after a 14 point lead in the third quarter against Denver and the opportunity to send that series to a seventh game, unfortunately did not happen. The Nuggets win the series in six and the Blazers season comes to an end four time in five years that they are ousted in the first round. Um, as you look at the season as a whole, obviously disappointing they didn't go further, but uh, your evaluation of uh, what uh, happened this season and uh, I guess good and bad from the standpoint of uh, what was accomplished and maybe what uh, what wasn't accomplished. Well, the big momentum coming into the season, of course, was the offseason acquisitions. Uh, Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr., and his canter among the most prominent. Uh, also, that was bolstered midseason when the Blazers traded Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell. With all those veterans and, you know, some uh, not huge names, of course, but there's names you recognize with the fine skills and track records in the league. The expectation was that this was going to be the year where they finally had the team that they wanted to have, and you were going to see what they were supposed to be. Now, Serious injuries to Yusuf Nurkic took him out for much of the season, uh, C.J. McCollum as well. So you had a little bump in the road there. But uh, the Blazers actually fared fairly well without those two starters. They, they had a winning record without those two. It was only when they, they came back that the losing streak began. Uh, and that all kind of normalized toward the end. Uh, there was some momentum, of course, big winning streak at the end of the season, headed toward the playoffs, which is pretty typical of this Portland club, especially if they're a little bit behind the curve. They tend to make it up at the end. This year, that was remarkable because their schedule at the end was tough, but they still reeled off, you know, 10 wins in a row, wherever it was, got the sixth seed, stay out, stayed out of the play-in, and then lost in the first round. So, summing that all up, this is typical Portland. This is classic 
Trailblazers uh, Rorschach test of the season. Did they do well? All things considered, injuries and, you know, that they were down and maybe going to fall out of the playoffs or into the play-in tournament, and they didn't, and they played semi-credibly versus Denver. Yeah, all things considered, they did okay, and there's some things to be happy about. But back up, now, did they do what was expected of them, what they expected when they made all those signings, and did they do well relative to the rest of the league? Not really that they, this was the year when they were supposed to prove themselves and they really did not. So despite the temptation to say, all things considered, they did well, we've got to realize we've done that for the last six years and it's not getting better. And I think you have to land a little bit more on, no, this wasn't the season that they wanted. No, they didn't do well. That's obviously where they ended up with replacing coach Terry Stotts. I don't imagine that that will be the last change that happens over the summer. So, um, yeah, it was, I would say it was realistically a disappointing season. The one thing that uh, we also heard very early on uh, before the season even began with those ac- uh, offseason acquisitions of Covington and Jones, the feeling was that, okay, now uh, we're going to finally show the improvement on defense that uh, this club has been talking about for a few seasons. And instead, by the time the season was over, they regressed uh, from their defensive ranking of a year ago to uh, the end of this season, and you couldn't go much further down than where they were. And there were times during the season where they were at historic potential lows with regard to the defense that got a little better when Nurkic came back. Uh, but overall, there was not the improvement that was uh, that was called for, and everybody said that they were making as a priority for this season. So because of that, uh, during the year, you started to hear some rumblings that if the Blazers didn't improve defensively, if they didn't have a respectable playoff run, that Terry Stott's job might be in jeopardy. And as I talked to a bunch of people upon starting this podcast, and I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people on your podcast, I tried to get a feel for whether or not everybody was hearing this, if they thought there was some legitimacy to it and so forth. Uh, Did you feel that once the Blazers were eliminated in the first round, that that might spell the end for Terry before the news became official? Did you think that that's something that really could be in the offing? Yeah, I mean, for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's been there nine years, which is a really long run for an NBA head coach. Uh, second of all, because they've, they've kind of flatlined on their progress. Uh, obviously, 2019, they went to the Western Conference Finals. But there are some reasons to that that might have to do with bracket and opponent as well. There were two ways to look at that run. And if you take out that run or question it, then they've been flatlined for about five years. Uh, And that usually spells the coach being in peril. Uh, The other thing is that's the easy fix, right? And I don't don't necessarily disagree that they might need a new voice or a new approach if they're going to keep the same personnel. But you have to credit personnel and roster construction as part of the issue here. You mentioned Yusuf Nurkic uh, at the beginning of the season, before the season even started. I was looking at my podcast partner across Zoom the same way we're looking at each other right now. And I said, you know what? When you look at this, everything's going to depend on Nurkic. That if Nurkic doesn't come through, no matter what else happens, this team is in trouble because no one else plays defense and uh, no one else in that front court can pass. So if Nurk has a great season, the Blazers probably will too. But if he doesn't, they're in trouble. Look what happened. I mean, you just cited it with the defensive numbers. They were terrible, terrible with Nurkic out. 
he comes back and they have like for for a stretch you know like the second or third best defense in the league but it ended up somewhere in the middle and that wasn't good enough but that's not a coaching i mean you take nurkic out and how do you coach ennis Cantor to be a defensive stopper you can't how do you coach damian lillard and cj mccullum to keep people in front of them for 82 games you can't that's not in their profile it's not even really their job you have to construct a roster that makes up for each other's weaknesses. Instead, the Blazers have a roster that ended up chasing each other's weaknesses and never being able to compensate for them. He still has his job, but uh, do we do we say then that Neil O'Shea, as president of basketball operations, uh, maybe deserves some criticism for what happened this season, that it can't all fall on the shoulders of Terry Stotts? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to write about that tomorrow, probably. And, and I'm not even, let's abandon the question of whether Stott should be fired or not. It's a moot point. He's gone. So let's just assume he should. Okay, fine. If we assume that and say Terry Stott should be fired, we also have to look right in each other's eyes and say, you know what? Terry Stotts was probably overall better as a coach than Neil Olshay has been as a GM. So if one goes, then what about the other? And I understand GM is a slower transition and needs more years to prove themselves, but Olshay's had nine years as well. And the Blazers are flatlined. And we've tried a bunch of different people at, at forward positions and Alfred Gaminu and Mo Arkless. We had Evan Turner. Uh, you know, now it's Covington and Jones. And by the way, Jones isn't staying as far. I'd be shocked if Derek Jones Jr. was back with this team next year. Uh, so like where, where's the, where's the merry-go-round going to stop? Where's the buck going to stop? And neither one has yet. So uh, firing stops doesn't really solve that. I'm not one to call for anybody's job. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair. I'm just saying logically, if you do the one thing, you have to at least look at the other sources of the issue. And the tricky thing about all of this, of course, is that you have an inexperienced owner uh, in Jody Allen that we aren't even sure because you never hear from her. You aren't even sure how committed she is to being the owner of this basketball team, how long she wants to continue in that capacity. She's obviously relying on uh, people around her to give her the input that uh, she needs. And Neil would be the prime person to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, uh, if you're Neil, your your self-preservation at any point, if uh, Jody were to say, well, how much of this is your responsibility? Uh, I'm sure he would say, well, I gave Terry the players. Uh, he just didn't get it done. And so, so he's not going to throw himself under the bus uh, if it comes down to that. But, uh, but we don't even know how much Jody wanted to get involved with all of this. She may have just said to Neil, you do what you feel is right. Maybe she had complete confidence in, uh, in him running things. So it's very hard to say uh, what her feelings are for any of this. Uh, but obviously, as you said, Terry's gone, Neil is still here and Neil will be involved in, choosing the next head coach for this basketball team, apparently with some pretty heavy input from Damian Lillard. Uh, Damian saying some very good things about Terry and about the fact that he's going to miss him. He's the only coach that he's known. He uh, supported him, wanted him to continue as head coach, uh, but understands it's a business and uh, he's gone and uh, Damian has to continue on. We see Damian's terrific performance uh, in this first round series with Denver and everybody's left with the feeling that, gosh, we got to get the guy some help or we got to do something to ensure that his prime years are not wasted uh, in the NBA. And so whatever it is, be it better players, better head coach, some of each, uh, something has to happen to make sure that, that Damien hopefully gets a chance to play 
for a long time in the postseason and hopefully compete for a championship. It's interesting that we talk as we record this. Uh, I know that you probably know what happened on this day in history. Go for it. Uh, More than Trailblazers uh, won a championship in 1977. (laughs) After last night, I don't even know what day it is anymore. (laughs) June 5th, 1977. And so, so it's ironic that we talk about changes in the team to try to bring them to a championship when uh, we are reminded once again of uh, the time that they did win a championship. Although every year it just seems like it gets much further in, uh, in, in the past in terms of memory, but uh, here they are talking about what it's going to take to make another push for a championship. It's too bad in a year when the, the, uh, the Lakers are out of the playoffs and the Clippers might be joining them, that uh, the West could be fairly uh, open for a chance to compete to at least represent the conference in, in the finals, but uh, the Blazers won't have that opportunity. So, so we look ahead, as you said, Terry's out. So now the, well, you know, uh, right, Brian, though, yes, we, sir. Should, we should stop there for a second because yeah. talk about wasting Lillard's prime and competing for a championship. Ironically, the, the, the real concern for this should have been in 2016 and 2017. Right. Before you know, because yeah. he was, he's 31. I mean, his prime is, is five years on and really he might have two years left. Although uh, I, I think he'll play at a high level through his mid thirties. I don't think there's doubt of that. But he has a lot of miles on his body. I mean, the, the Blazers play, he's routinely in the top three or four players in the league as far as minutes played, except when he just can't go, except when he has to take time off. So he's high mileage. He's 31. And, you know, he'll always be able to shoot. But at what point do you say, well, you know what? He, he's lost half a step. That's closer than his than his prime is in the rearview mirror. I mean, I don't think he has another five years. So, yeah, and so and so the question always comes up uh, from the present makeup of the roster: where can changes be made? Neil's always talking about the fact that it's almost impossible to find free agents to come here. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if that's it's, it seems like a somewhat defeatist way of looking at things. Uh, maybe there's some reality to it, but I don't know why you would ever admit that or put it out there. I do think some of it has to do with the fact that I'm not sh- always sure how much Neil likes being in Portland. So, so maybe in terms of living here, so I, maybe that's something that he, he, uh, I, I just wonder, can you get it? Can a guy sell, uh, the opportunity for somebody to come here if he doesn't necessarily believe it that hard himself? So, so that's maybe a subject for another day, but um, but look at look at him, Brian. Look, though, I mean, I, I brought this up before, too. 2019, right? The Blazers were in the Western Conference Finals. They were theoretically, on paper anyway, what, the second best team in the West? Next to the Warriors, which no shame in that. I mean, that's... Right, uh, no. Yeah, okay, that was two years ago. Who's in the second round now? Dallas, Phoenix, Utah. Well, we don't know Dallas. Could be the Clippers. They play today, but you know they're they're close anyway. Uh, Utah. Yeah. Okay. All these teams were behind Portland in 2019. It wasn't impossible for them to get free agents. It wasn't impossible for them to make the right moves to go ahead. And one of those teams, by the way, uh, what Utah, uh, Dallas, or, or the Clippers, Phoenix, and whoever else. I don't even care anymore. One of them's going to make the finals. Right, Denver, obviously. One of them's going yeah. to make the finals. Right. NBA finalists. Okay. That that should have been the Blazers. That's what the Blazers have been angling at for the last five years. And they didn't do it. So then the question becomes, uh, 
you know, from the, from the present roster, um, how do you get, how do you get better? Uh, if, if we're not looking at free agents, they're not going to have a lot of money to spend on free agents other than the normal, uh, opportunities. Uh, so it's going to come up again as it does every year when they're talking about changes, is it time to break up the Damian CJ combo? Uh, and again, now CJ, I I'm sure he's worth something to other teams, but is he worth something to other teams based on the, the heavy contract that he has? That that's, that's the big question. Do teams want to invest in essentially a two guard who can handle the ball, but is not really a point guard in, in, in any true sense. So is he somebody that teams really would want to, you have to almost have a team that brings him in as maybe their number one option based on what he makes. He makes, he makes the money of a number one option for a team. So, so I, you know, people think it's easy just to say that the Blazers just have to arrive at the decision that they just don't want to have Damien and CJ continue, but you have to have another, another team that's interested in CJ, even if you make that decision. And I'm kind of curious to see who those teams are, if there even are multiple teams that would be interested at his price. Right. So the way you fix this team is simple. First would be to get a time machine, go back to 2016 and redo those contracts, because that was clearly where this fell off the rails. Yeah. Second, move your time machine forward and maybe draft Donovan Mitchell instead of Zach Collins yeah. in 2017. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you can't do that, at least listen to someone outside the bubble in 2018 who is starting to look at this and go, you know, this is not this is not working. You better start making moves because the clock is ticking here. And there was more than one person saying that. And the Blazers held steady on this Lillard McCollum backcourt until, you know, the, the bottle's almost empty at this point. First of all, there's nothing left for them to prove. Second of all, CJ was hanging in the wind in this Denver series. And by the way, I don't think that was indicative of him. I think he's a better player than we saw against Denver. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. But you look at that and you go, oh my gosh, this guy had a chance to shine and that the job description wasn't even that tough because Lillard scoring 55, it didn't happen. That colors things. And it makes you suspect that, well, maybe he's just a scorer or whatever, that the criticisms leveled against him are true. That said, even now, I think the Blazers have at least a small out, which is they've got Norman Powell sitting there. And Norman Powell is a better defender and he can still shoot. And he could, you wouldn't be upset to have him at shooting guard. That means at this moment, as opposed to 2018 or anywhere else, the Blazers have the ability to trade CJ for less value than he's inherently worth to them and still come out ahead if they can keep Pell. Because now you're not just trading CJ for someone else. You need to carry all that weight for you. Instead, you're trading CJ in essence for Powell and the player or players you get back, which can be a net gain for you, even if the trade for CJ itself is a net loss for you. So under those circumstances, which is unique to this summer, the Blazers might have a chance to rectify it. But the problem is, as you pointed out, or as we've said, how long does it take to grow a real championship team? That better be an instant fix. Because, you know, if nothing else, Dame's contract is going to come up in three years. But you, 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 a two-year window to get to the finals is, is kind of short if you're retooling. But they've got to go for it, and they've got to get some kind of help right now that's not at a shooting guard position and keep Powell. I think that's the only answer. Well, I don't think there's going to be a lack of people that will be interested in the head coaching position with the Blazers. You've got uh, a lot of things the coaches would look for. You've got a star player. You've got a great fan base. You've got a healthy 
franchise, although some question marks about ownership that I'm sure any prospective head coach would want to know uh, from Jody Allen. What is your commitment to this team? What is your commitment to this uh, franchise long-term? Neil O'Shea, is he he going to be uh, in his job long-term? These are all questions that I'm sure will be asked by the candidates, but we've already heard from um, from some various sources about who the candidates will be. Damien supposedly has come right out and said that uh, he believes that uh, Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups would be his, uh, his prime choices. We've also heard the names of uh, Jeff Van Gundy, Mike D'Antoni, um, and uh, people that I think, again, I, I don't think it's going to be lack of people that will be interested in this position when all is said and done. Um, is there any name that jumps out at you that, that uh, would excite you uh, if you're thinking about, let's say you're a season ticket holder and you're, and you're thinking about, well, I'd like to decide if I want to renew my season tickets. I kind of like Terry Stotts, but hey, I'm willing to give the, the team a chance to show me that the next guy that comes in is going to be a better option. Is there any name that jumps out and, and is exciting to you as you contemplate the thought of that person coaching the team next season? Well, if you like the team last year, there's no reason not to like them this year. I mean, they're not, they're probably not going to be appreciably worse or if they are, at least it'll be in a new way. So I think you're safe renewing your season tickets anyway. Uh, as far as the coaching goes, I don't hear any of those names that make that much of a difference. I don't, I, and frankly, I, again, I don't think this was a coaching issue. So I, this problem with this kind of change and putting so much freight on it is I don't think you can get there from here. Uh, that, that little engine won't pull that caboose you have to have bigger changes than that, right? So uh, you could slot any of those names in and I don't think the change happens. I mean, you, if you want to go extreme and it's too late, uh, you'd go get like Tom Thibodeau and you'd say, okay, I know you coach defense. <laughs> so All right. we're gonna put you in there and let's see what the best test case scenario is for this. But you know, Thibodeau is a little bit preoccupied now with the Knicks. So I don't think he's coming. Um, Monty Williams was the, was the name. Once again, this is a timing thing. I, I always said, if there's one coach that could replace Terry that would be really good for this franchise, it would be Monty. Guess what? He's gone, and not only is he gone, he just put the Lakers out of the playoffs. He just so has been named coach of the year, too. So yeah, he, exactly. So he's anchored for a while. Where is that? <laughs> yeah, two years ago called. It wants its coaching change back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, the one that um, – you know, the one that has been hanging out there that I guess you could get a little excited about for the championship pedigree and history with Portland would be Eric Spolstra. There's no indication that Miami is letting him go, but there might be some, you know, it's been a while for him too. They're not quite going where they want to go, although they made to the finals last year. But I think most people think that was, a, a, I don't want to say a fluke, but that was a one-time thing. So, you know, if Spolster came available, he has deep history in Portland. He's obviously a good coach. He's been in that Riley system. He knows what the culture needs. Whether he could do it or not, I don't know. But that name would excite me a little bit, I suppose. But tell you the truth, I don't hear a lot of them out there that I think are going to make the change. I'm just, I'm kind of agnostic about this mostly. I think that would excite me too, uh, that name. Uh, it would probably involve some compensation to the, to the Heat if they were even willing to consider it. Um, he's been there a long time, but you don't necessarily hear that they're tired of, of him or feeling that he can't uh, coach there anymore. So he's young enough that he obviously he would have plenty of uh, years left as a head coach. Uh, I was going to be curious to see if Brad Stevens had been let go by Boston as opposed to being promoted. Uh, would that have been a name that uh, you might have been interested in, at least in terms of somebody who once was thought of as a savant and, and one of the you know top coaches in the league? 
uh, had his uh, reputation changed so much that he wouldn't have been of interest to, uh, I, I would have thought he would still be of interest to teams that would have an opening. So, uh, so again, a lot to be considered. Uh, it looks like from, from what we're hearing already, uh, Orlando has decided to part ways with Steve Clifford. Uh, Terry Stott's name is already being mentioned as a possibility there. Uh, Indiana may change its head coaching situation. Terry might be uh, a candidate there. So he may not be out of work for very long. And based on his track record, he probably shouldn't be. Uh, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how long the Blazers take to make a decision. There may be some competition for the guys that uh, they're interested in. Uh, when it comes to a Chauncey Billups, the Clippers are, at least as of uh, the day we record this, still involved in the playoffs. And so, uh, so he might not be available uh, to even talk about the position for, for a while if they win a game seven uh, tomorrow, as we talk, uh, on a Saturday, then, uh, he's going to be, there's going to be another round of playoffs involving him with the Clippers. So, so who knows? Um, it could be very interesting to see, uh, what his timing is. He seems to be kind of the next hot name of somebody who hasn't been a head coach before that has the credentials and, and, uh, could be potentially a very good head coach. It's not proven. We don't know. Uh, so, uh, Jason Kidd has been a head coach in this league. There was some talk that maybe the players in Milwaukee didn't like him. Um, he's, he's lost two jobs in the league too. Uh, you can't exactly say that he's been a proven winner any greater than Terry was. So, so as you say, some of these guys are names, but is it change for change's sake when all is said and done? And, and I think some of the things we talked about up front personnel changes are really going to probably be the biggest factor in determining whether this team is better next season, regardless of who the head coach is. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that's the thing, that's where you're waiting for the shoe to drop. And Again, Powell, watch what happens. If Norman Powell leaves, I think this team is, is going to have a lot of trouble compensating no matter what happens, unless there's a miracle sweetheart CJ trade out there. Uh, that I, I don't see how they get more than lateral improvement there. I guess you could argue that Anthony Simons it could step into that starting shooting guard role, um, and his shooting has really improved. I mean, he's, he's done well this year, but is he ready to start? And more to the point, does a Lillard-Simons backcourt have much better effect than a Lillard-McCullum backcourt? It's even smaller, even smaller than what we have now. Uh -huh. uh, and, and if Powell comes back, uh, you know, he's going to obviously want to know what his role is going to be. Do you, again, can continue to go with essentially a three-guard starting lineup, uh, which, which you did toward the end of the season? Uh, I, think, I think I agree with you that it would be a great fit if the Blazers could find a taker for C.J., get something meaningful back in return and Powell becomes your starting shooting guard. Then you have a bigger backcourt. You have a, at least one guy that, uh, that has some desire to play defense and, and has shown the ability to do so. And uh, so I think you, 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 and maybe you don't really lose that much in terms of scoring ability. And, and maybe there's uh, ways that, uh, I mean, we saw Powell have some big scoring nights uh, with the Blazers and, uh, and really was still getting used to his new situation. So I think that it's obvious that the Blazers want him to continue to be, part of the, their team going forward, but uh, there's every reason to think that he's going to be fairly popular on the free agent market. I haven't looked at all the names that will be out there and who he, who he would have to compete with in terms of uh, uh, interest among guards, but I would have to think his championship pedigree and, and everything that he's been able to prove during his time in the league that, uh, that he would be somebody teams would be attracted to. And I'm not sure he would, he would cost uh, an arm and a leg to sign either. I mean, he'll get a good contract, but I don't know necessarily it's going to be a record-breaking contract. So, so that might also help in terms of his value. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. It's obviously, obviously gotten off to a, a big, fast start. So I'll be curious to see. Do you get the sense that whatever happens, that the Blazers will have to make a fairly quick decision on who 
their next head coach will be, that there's some competition for coaching openings in the league right now, and maybe some of the same names that have been attached to Portland could be attached to other teams too? I mean, maybe, but honestly, I think the the C.J. Norman thing is really the bigger time pressure. And obviously you can't do that till the moratorium officially and et cetera. But look, I think Powell staying is contingent on whether or not C.J. does. I don't see Powell coming back as the third guard because he's a, he's not a small forward and he deserves more touches than that, right? And to make a bigger impact. I don't see him signing up to be the third fiddle. Uh, so he'll want to know where he stands before he signs. And I don't think there'll be a lack of offers for him for the reasons you mentioned. The free agent class is really small, right? I mean, uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, and there might be like one other guard uh, out there who's about at Lowry's level who are the primary people. It's a, it's a weak year for free agents. So Powell stands pretty high. So I, I you know, I, I expect his next contract to start with a 20. And where in mm. the 20s that it, it ends up will depend on the market and a couple other things. And that's the other thing for Portland, though, you got to think of. They're already paying uh, Damon CJ $70 million next year, and that's going to balloon to like 80, 85 in the next two years. If they sign Powell for 20 or 25, now you're, you're talking 90 or 100 million for three guards. Right. Uh, I'm not sure they can do that. So that the CJ question is now really prominent, and I think they're going to have to decide very early on what they're going to do and then get that move done so that they can then let the other dominoes fall in place. The nightmare of course would be trading CJ for less and then Powell leaves as well. At that point, boy, you got to look at Dame throwing up his hands and going, you know what? I'll stay here. Maybe, but you, you got to get me out of this circus. <laughs> it's time to go. Is it possible, even probable that uh, uh, to find a taker for CJ, you might have to take back a bad, contract uh, bad maybe being a somewhat subjective term but for instance uh, kevin love i mean you know that you take back somebody that also is making a lot of money maybe more than they're worth at least at this point of their production of their career uh it it, it seems to me that it might not that that may have to be factored into any deal that uh, somebody would accept for cj that uh, you may still get back a contract that could potentially be hampering your flexibility uh, quite a bit I think that's less likely somewhat because CJ is the bad contract. Uh, and I'm not saying that he's not worth it. I mean, he's very productive, but as far as numbers, it's hard to get worse than $30 million <laughs> a year. Right. That's true. So um, I would look at it more likely as let's say the Knicks absorbing salary and sending back a player who makes 15 uh, and is not nearly as good as CJ, but you get that in a draft pick or something. And you say, again, Powell plus that mid-range player is, and the draft pick is better than just CJ. Or um, you, you look at a, a package in which there is a player with a longer term contract, but also a young guy or something. Uh, you know, you get that kind of unequal. So it, Portland gets the lesser players but Portland also gets the overall advantage that I think that's more likely. I don't see, I don't see the Blazers trading it for Kevin Love because Kevin Love is the same dang problem at another position. Right. So that would be that that's, I mean, they Carmelo Anthony, I think is better for this team than love. So why not keep him for very little instead of doing that? So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a big bloated contract with an ineffective player coming up or back. I see lesser players and, and then it all adds up to more. You put much stock in uh the somewhat frustrating comments of uh, well, comments out of frustration, I, I might say, uh, from Yusuf Nurkic uh, after the uh, final game 
And he didn't quite understand what his contract situation was. He almost made it sound like he felt he was going to be a free agent. Uh, the Blazers have until August to decide to guarantee all of his money for next season. But every indication is that they're going to do that. Um, it sounds like he wants a bigger role with the team. Um, is that just something you think was said uh, on the heels of the end of the season, having just occurred less than an hour before his comments? Or do you think it's something that the Blazers might have to take seriously with whoever comes in as the next head coach? No, I, I think he's dead serious. In fact, we called this before the, the game that uh, this was an issue. And you got to understand Nurkic's situation. First of all, he signed a contract that was, I mean, it was at his value, but it was not what he wanted three years ago, I'm sure. I mean, he, after Nurk fever and whatever, he was thinking, well, I'm going to get paid a significant amount. And he got 12 to 15 million, which wasn't a significant amount then. And it really, really isn't now. So he's been playing out that contract, right? The last year wasn't even guaranteed, okay? Which is next year. He'll he's scheduled to make 15 million, I believe, okay? Um, he's looking at a non-guaranteed contract, which he knows the Blazers are going to pick up, but he took seven shots in that game six. CJ took 21. And he's being depended on to carry the entire load defensively to cover for everybody else. He wants to be able to score. He wants to be able to be the player he's supposed to be. And most of all, he wants to earn that next contract. And whether that's an extension with the Blazers that they ink right now and they pay him where they didn't before, or whether he goes somewhere else where they're going to value him and pay him what his priorities now is to get paid, right? The way he didn't before. So uh, I, I believe those con comments were not only dead serious but they're going to intensify and they're not going to go away if Portland just picks up his contract for one year this is an issue for him and for them and it's a foreshadowing of the issue they're eventually going to have with Dave so that's something else they're gonna to have to keep in mind as they look toward the future and uh, potentially who they bring in as the next head coach uh what do you think is a greater priority uh, at least for you uh for the next head coach is it somebody that is going to have a defensive mindset, whether that's a priority or something that just is uh, one of the uh, one of the key things that they want to bring to the table. Or some people feel that even though the Blazers had some good offensive numbers at times under Terry, that maybe there wasn't always creativity in terms of what was done, and that uh, maybe it's somebody that comes in with some different ideas about how to make uh, the offense a little bit more um, well, unpredictable at times. Uh, what's a greater priority in terms of if you were making the decision as the next head coach, a greater priority for that person to have? Obviously it's defense. I mean, their offense was fine and there was plenty of creativity. In fact, it lay in the player's hands. I mean, you're telling me uh, in, in backwards, in the rear view mirror, I, I get it that, okay, this has been an evolution and we're used to it now, but are you telling me Damian Lillard shooting 35 footers isn't different I mean, what's different? Yes, of, you know, uh, the, the, I get it. The high screen and roll looks predictable, but if anything, they didn't do it enough. So, yeah, I mean, I think the offense is fine. I think it belongs in the hands of the players as long as the personnel stays the same. And by the way, I think everybody was pretty suited, except for maybe Nurkic, for the role they were playing in that offense. I mean, Robert Covington, his three-point shooting skyrocketed when he got to. So did Trevor Ariza's. I mean, everybody they brought in their performed well offensively the defense needs fixing but again here's the red flag if you're going to serve steak you can't start with a cart of bananas 
You have to change. You have to put some meat on that tray before you can cook it. And there's no coach that's going to be able to turn this lineup into a good defensive lineup as long as that backcourt remains intact. So you're saying it's not just schematic, the defensive issues, it's uh, personnel that also has to be taken into account, maybe more so. How the heck do you scheme for every opposing dribbler can get in the lane or your guard's going to stick on any pick and then they're going to get an open three. And so you depend on your center to both block shots at the rim and get out there and cover the three-point arc and get back every play. Now, there might be a couple centers in the league who can do that. Super hyper-athletic guys. The Blazers ain't got those. Okay. They, they, they tried uh, Hassan Whiteside, who was the ultimate block shot rim protector, right? But you saw what a disaster that was at the arc. I mean, he didn't, he didn't even close. He might as well, he, he could have snail mailed himself out to the arc and gotten there faster, right? Uh, and, and even Nurkic, I mean, he's better. He's much, much better. But at a certain point, his utility goes away because you can't run him that far on the court for 82 games. So, uh, yeah, they, they have to get a, more areas of the court contained so that, for instance, their center has a job description that can be filled on defense, and the guards pick up some of that. And when that happens, all their defensive schemes are going to look better. All right, I'll leave you with this. Um, obviously, the last two seasons have been very unique NBA-wise with the uh, pandemic and trying to squeeze as much basketball in as possible, adding the play-in situation, which we don't know if that's going to be a permanent fixture in uh, seasons forward. Next season is supposed to look a little bit more like normal NBA seasons have in the past, back to an 82-game schedule, among other things. Uh, But if we were to talk about where the Blazers were before this 72-game regular season began and where they are now, with obviously much more uncertainty mixed in, at least presently, but do you think that they are – Anywhere closer to a championship as we speak today as they were before this this season began, or are they further away? Um, They're probably about where they were, but if I have to pick one, it's further away just because they're older. And Mm -hmm. the league, everybody in the league knows how to solve them. Show me the person that's really afraid of the Trailblazers in a playoff series. On Wednesday night, sure, because they can score 140 and they can beat you on any given night. But on average that seven game series you're probably going to beat them or if if they win one round they're gonna they're gonna lose the next so i would say that they're they're farther away right now that could probably change with the right moves if they're out there personnel wise but those moves haven't happened yet so i don't see i see the hope dimming that they're going to get a title unless someone forces that window open right now well on a day that we remember the uh, only world championship in franchise history back in 1977 on June the 5th. We uh, think that maybe the Blazers have uh, quite a few moves to make to be considered as championship contenders for this particular era of Blazers basketball. But I think the key word you said, Dave, is it's still possible based on the moves that could be made with a lot that uh, will be out there to be made for the rest of this offseason. I guess beginning, of course, of the decision, the big one, as to who is going to replace Terry Stotts as head coach. All right, before I let you go, tell everybody how they can follow you on Twitter and also tell everybody about uh, how they can follow your outstanding podcast with a great co-host that you have added to the mix. Sure. So uh, at Dave Deckard, D-E-C-K-A-R-D, 
uh, is the Twitter handle. You find me there or just find us at Blazer's Edge. We have a large staff at Blazer's Edge, diverse writing, a lot of opinions. They'll all get out there over the summer. Blazer'sEdge.com. There's where you can find our podcast. The absolutely irrepressible Danny Morang does one a week. And then uh, Dia Miller and I, the queen of sunshine, unicorn and rainbows, and me, <laughs> Mr. Realist Vulcan, uh, you know, nerve pinch. Uh, we make a good oil and water team there for the Thursday podcast. So you'll find us there. Uh, and of course, we all listen to Brian Wheeler. So do that too. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're not hard to find. BlazersEdge.com. I thought you were going to say the irrepressible Dia, but uh, but she probably qualifies there too. Uh, yeah, well, quite a few Danny adjectives. Pops, yeah. Danny pops up like fireworks. Dia will flood your house. <laughs> She'll just come up like the, the water will come up from the basement, and you'll look around and going, "There's no way I'm taking care of this." The optimism is going to be there, uh, and it's delightful. <laughs> I loved her comment the other day about uh, uh, what the, the 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 father of her child wanted something Laker oriented, and she actually uh, went and uh, and and helped. Helped with that purchase. Felt she was a very accommodating, uh, accommodating parent, even though it was difficult for her to to look for the Laker gear. So, so that's a that, that that's a that's a true Blazer fan right there saying something like that. So, uh, we we appreciate uh, her. Uh, she's been a great uh, addition to your podcast, and as you say, a uh, great compliment to uh, your your skills complement each other. That's for sure. Um, Dave, thanks so much for joining us and uh, for giving your your expert opinions and thoughts on things. And uh, you always give people a lot to think about and uh, also some very good information as well. And I know you'll be following things every step of the way. So uh, Blazers Edge is the place to go always for your Blazers information first and foremost. And uh, we'll be following this uh, off season. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens, but uh, thanks for your, your time and your thoughts today. Absolutely, Brian. And I wish you the best. You are an amazing fixture uh, in the Blazers universe. And I am so glad to hear your voice. Thank you, sir. Dave Deckard of Blazers Edge on this edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, we're going to be following the Blazers moves in the offseason, that's for sure. And when we join you next, I'm sure we'll have some updated information on where the Blazers are going with their coaching search. Until then, so long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.